0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: Welcome to Booklaban, the first podcast about the Filipino reading community around the world. I'm Jaja Suge. And I'm shining Dan.
2: We're two friends with a lifelong obsession with reading who got stuck in traffic one day and decided that the world needed a podcast for Filipinos who love books. Before anything else, first on our agenda is, what are you reading now? So
1: Jeje, what are you reading now? I discovered Renee Brown through an Netflix special called The Call to Courage. Her message about the uncomfortable emotion of vulnerability really resonated with me. And after watching that, I kept on seeing her books everywhere. She's apparently popular. Her TED Talk has over 45 million views. I haven't gone far with the book, but it seems to be a more detailed retelling of her TED Talk, substantiated with the extensive research that Dr. Brown conducted for two decades on the areas of courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy. Topics that I'm really interested in. That's what I'm reading now. How about you, Shani? I'm reading The Wedding Party by
2: Jasmine Guillory. It's a sequel or continuation of her first romance novel, The Wedding Date, which I love. And this is my third Jasmine Guillory book, actually. The book can stand alone, so I think people will enjoy it even if they haven't read the first one. Maddie and Theo are the bride's best friends who don't really like each other. And of course, sparks fly because like I said, this is a romance and I'm enjoying it a lot. The banter is a lot of fun. And of course, the sexy bits are very sexy, so it's nice, because it's a contemporary romance, so it has to have the sexy bits. Here's the pitch, where we put the Laban in booklaban. Laban. Our listeners tell you about their book club, event, book, favorite author, or anything book-related, and why you should check it out. Making their pitch today are Bernice Co, and Judith Octava of the Ex Libris Book Club.
3: Ex Libris Philippines has about 15 active members, but we are growing, so 15 plus plus. So in Ex Libris, you can read whatever you want. And every book session, we share what we read. So we go around the table and say, oh, this month I read this book. And then we share the synopsis. And then we literally share books like Pasa Pasa, Who Wants to Borrow? Personally, I really like the setup because I want no pressure. You can read whatever you want at your own pace. And it's nice because you're introduced to genres you normally wouldn't read. Because, you know, if I like sci-fi, I only read sci-fi. But this person likes romance... I get recommendations from this genre. So it's nice because we get to know each other better based on what you read. And then we widen our own horizons. And we get to share books, so you don't need to buy so much. Yay! (laughs) I've been a member for like 12 years. I can only remember two instances or two book sessions where two people brought the same book. So it's almost always a different one per person. And what was kind of cemented was that each one of us has... Parang we had a guy who's like he's the sci-fi guy and the graphic novels kind of guy. So we always expect him to whip out something from Michael Moorcock. That before joining X, members hindi ko siya kilala. So, <laughs> so kilala ko na siya. Sometimes you know members would surprise you and bring a different one. So yeah, it's kind of more diverse and it's just interesting that how we are able to capture our attention by, like she said, you won't normally read it when it's just yourself.
1: The Toilet Papers, A peek into the Private Reading Lives of Public People. I met with author Ninochka Roska for Brunch in Queens, New York, last December. And of course, I had to ask her what she was reading. Take note, Ninochka reads four books a week. She's a Philippine-born novelist, journalist, and organizer of women. Compelled to go into exile by the Marcus Dictatorship, She also created the First Militant Women's Organization, scooping up a lot of literary and journalism awards in the process.
0: I'm reading two books right now. One of them is A Step Away from Paradise by Thomas K. Shore. This is an account of a lama who led the search for what we would know as Shangri-La. The opening of a bayoul is usually the task of a very, very powerful, very talented Lama. One of the concepts I took from it is that shangri actually exists simultaneously or co-terminus with what we have in this world is just on a different realm or different dimension. Like if you look at the city of Manila, and then you think of the city of Manila under Raha Sulaiman. They exist, just on different dimensions. And this is the one, this is science fiction. It's No Mon by Nick Harkaway. And I'm reading this because of interesting developments in the world today. This is about how a totalitarian state developed the technology of accessing your thoughts. What happens is you are hooked up to a machine, and then the interrogators or investigators, as they are called, ask you questions. And then, based on the uh, brain waves elicited by those questions, this machine can actually translate the brain waves into visual information. And so, this is about a woman who defied the machine by embedding story after story after story in her brain. You know, a story within a story, like those Russian dolls. Even uh, though the investigators kept digging and digging, you know, they kept encountering one story after another. It's quite a brilliant uh, concept. These are the two I'm reading nowadays. This is what I call deep reading. You know, we're so used to the short, quick, five sentences, reading on Facebook and Instagram is even shorter. Uh, Twitter is even shorter. So we do need to do deep reading once in a while. The computer actually has rewired our brains uh, towards the uh, quick, the easy, the immediately gratifying stuff, yeah? So we need to go back. And rewire our brains towards the profound, the significant, the hopeful, because cyberspace is really totally not hopeful. The next
1: part is footnotes, where we answer your burning questions. Shani, today's burning book question is: What is decalage, or baket damage ang bago kong
0: libro?
2: Sometimes hardcover books have uneven or ragged edges. This is called a decal edge. Back when printing was new, books were assembled from folios, quartos, or octavos. These are the old-school equivalent of book signatures. A folio is a sheet of paper folded in half to produce two leaves or four pages, and quartos are folded twice to make four leaves and eight pages. And octavos, well, you get the idea. So decal edges occur when quartos and octavos are sewn into a book and the pages have to be opened manually using a knife or sometimes even the edge of a playing card, which explains why the edges are particularly ragged. Deckle edges became a thing for collectors because the smooth edge is a sign that the books have been rebinded and the edges cut off. So today's printing process doesn't produce a real decal edge anymore. So any modern-day hardcover would have gotten theirs by sandblasting, sewing, or even tearing the edges to give it that vintage pre-19th-century feel. You can read more about this episode's footnote, as well as see links for our sources on our show notes on Booklaban.com. For this episode, our giveaway is sponsored by Penguin Random House. Undercover Bromance, part of the Bromance Book Club by Liza K. Adams. Brayden thinks reading romance novels makes him an expert in love. But he'll soon discover that real life is better than fiction when he meets Liv, a sous-chef at Nashville's hottest restaurant. Find out how to join the giveaway on booklaban.com or by following us on our social media accounts. Find our Facebook group by searching for Book Laban, and we're at Book Laban PH on Instagram and Twitter. Remember, support the author and buy the book.
1: If you're an avid reader or you even write romance books, you probably know today's guest. It's even likely that you're turning into this particular episode because you're a fan of our guest. I'll give Shani the pleasure of introducing her.
2: Today we have in the studio, Mina Villas Guerra, She writes contemporary romance novels and has published 24 books since 2009. She's the founder of Romance Class, a Filipino romance author and reader community, which has helped over 80 authors publish over 100 books since 2013. She supports efforts to improve diversity and inclusion in the romance genre and was one of the judges of the 2019 Rip Bodies Awards for Excellence in Romance Fiction. She's read 106 books in 2019.
3: Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me. I would love to talk about
1: everything I'm into, Ask Away. You know, when you were planning Book Club on this podcast, you were one of our top-of-mind authors to guest in the show. So today, we'd like to get to know you better as both author and reader and Plus Plus. So
2: we'd like to ask about how you got started as a writer.
1: Have you always wanted to be a writer? And
2: have you always wanted to write romance?
3: I... I have been reading romance since I was a teen. I didn't think that I would be writing it ever <laughs> as a career. It's something that you were told people don't do. <laughs> I would write stories. They were just for me and my friends. I only really finished writing an original romance novel as like a before you turn 30 (laughs) challenge to myself. What do you want to do now that you really want to write? And I went back to the beginning. What really got me loving reading? So it wasn't the dark phase. It wasn't the artistic phase. It was really the romance books that I read when I was a teenager. So I got back into that mode. I started reading them again. And then I wrote. And that's actually what started my career. And so I finished something at 28. Back then, the way to do it was to email or mail publishers. Write a query letter, talk to the publisher, and then follow up and ask if they're interested. So I did it that way. And I got an offer. My book was released in 2009. That's the short version.
1: (laughs) And which book is this?
3: My Imaginary Ex. Oh, famous. (laughs) (laughs) When
2: you first started writing romances, were any of them autobiographical? Did you name
3: the characters from somebody? None of them are based on my real life, but some of them may have been based on daydreams I've had or fantasies. So I feel that that's the root of my romance writing. It's like what I wish had happened with certain people. That's what you do with your first story or your second story or your third and then later you've written all of your fantasies (laughs) (laughs) now you actually have to be a writer like think about it as craft think about it as what the readers want and then later i started really learning how to craft a new story that isn't mined from my own fantasies anymore the readers now actually maybe for the first five of my books all of the names and the last names are from my high school I was self-conscious about names sounding real. And I didn't know if the names were too, I don't know. Sometimes the names seem too dramatic when you come up with something and you really spend a lot of time thinking about a name. So I just picked and matched from people I knew. At least it solved that problem about whether a name sounded real or not.
2: So let's talk about tropes. Romance is very trope-ridden. And there are some tropes that are good. And there are some tropes that are bad. Maybe let's do a bad trope versus good trope for
3: you, (laughs) according to Mina Esguera. What are the bad tropes? A lot of people hate insta-love. It's called insta-love in a derogatory way by readers. But I love it. I love the instant attraction. And for several years, it's the only thing I could write. I think it's actually very hopeful when, after years of trying and giving up, you walk into a room... (laughs) And then you see somebody and you realize that it's possible to imagine a commitment with somebody. I think it's hopeful. Friends to Lovers is huge in the Philippines. It's one of the most common movie romance tropes. Someone's usually pining for somebody. That's really difficult to write though. It's really difficult to write that without falling into certain traps where someone was leading someone on. Somebody's getting hurt. How do you redeem yourself from that? One of my first books was Friends to Lovers because that's what I know from growing up consuming Pinoy media. But now, it's so hard to write it. I can't. <laughs> I can't anymore. I'm so cynical about friends. Like, really? <laughs> really? Friends lang <laughs> I like switching up. We often have older men, younger woman in Filipino romance stories because we associate an older man with success. So we know that when a woman matches with an older man, her life is going to get better. And we sort of imagine when an older woman matches with a younger man, chaos will probably ensue. I like to switch that up. I've written older woman, younger man. But I've written a character where the younger man is successful. And You can count on him, he's reliable. You don't necessarily have to associate certain things with him just because other Pinoy guys are associated with that. Yes, I wanted to write Filipino characters and set it in Makati. They would be working, and I happened to be working in Makati around the time that I was writing that book. They would be college graduates. The book would be in English, so that's another choice that I made. The conversations would be in English. I also decided very deliberately that they would be sexually active and that the parents would not meddle. So it was an experiment almost in how do you write romance without certain tropes that we expected from Filipino romance? What will the conflicts be when what we're used to just isn't there? So I kind of built from there. And all of the books have that kind of element. I noticed while I'm rich, poor dynamics uh, characters and also
2: you like you said the parents don't meddle are there any tropes that you're really tempted to like use to see if you can just do a different twist on it
3: i actually wrote a book where the family tried to get involved Mm -hmm. but the way that that ended was she leaves the family It's almost like you're seeing the Pinoy drama trope, but she chooses a different path. So there's no family reconciliation. I'm sorry. I have one where they go to church. So in many of the romances, even by my friends, going to church together is a thing. It's a symbol of something. But the way that I wrote it, it's sort of tongue-in-cheek. They're both pretending to be uh, purer than they are. That's why they choose to go to church. It almost looks like a trope, but then I try to tell it in a different way, yeah. My characters would be sexually active. Of 24 books, there are probably only just two or three of them where the main character, if she's female, is a virgin. So everyone else is not (laughs) when the book starts because every other Filipino romance would start with the female main character being a virgin and that's (laughs) how she loses it and it's already happily ever after (laughs) so I play with that also even that very specific trope I try to change it up also
1: have you gotten any reaction to that from More conservative readers are their conservative readers.
3: By now, it's gotten better because I've been better with the marketing or at least the packaging of the book. So they know that the content will probably not be something they like. But in the beginning, everyone thinks all romance is the same. Especially if it's Filipino romance, they have expectations that it's going to be the same conservative kind of romance that they always get. If the woman is not conservative or modern in any way, then there's sort of a punishment for her or or she's the villain. So people who wound up reading my book because they had those expectations, yes, I got some feedback. (laughs) from them. Sometimes they're related to me (laughs) because they're surprised that this is something that I would write about. But I'm older now. Even if they tell me that oh, they, they were surprised at how a certain topic was handled in my book, it's fine. I can take it and
1: I can use it as, do you want to talk about it? So you say that you purposely avoided some Philippine tropes in writing your books, but What are the ingredients that you make sure are there to make it still Filipino in flavor? I don't know.
3: I was asked this question also recently because my books are now being read by people who are not Filipino. And now they're associating certain things with the Philippines. And it's so strange because I have to tell them, oh, if you watch a Filipino movie that has romance or if you read the book, chances are you won't see these things. So I'm trying to see based on how they react and what they gravitate toward. What is Filipino now to them based on what I've presented? And I talk about food a lot. I didn't even realize it until I saw the cover, until I saw the artists working on my books when I was locally published. They would always put some sort of food icon in my books. And I thought it was something cute that they did. But apparently, they would pick up on food that I would mention in the books. I talk about... Green
1: mangoes and... (laughs) <laughs> Bolalo. I mean
3: it's yeah. everything I, Right now I've run through like What food do I talk about this time And also like the choice, how people eat Like in one book, the character has given up pork So now people are eating chichiron around her And she hates it <laughs> She hates hearing it because she misses it So for me, it feels like I'm talking about an alternate universe that is still the Philippines and is still Manila. But certain things have been removed. So we still eat the same things. We go to the same places. People look the way we look. But there are less hang-ups about certain things. There's less abuse in general. (laughs) Women are free to choose things and have their careers. Because we know women who live that way. And we, in many cases, live that way. So I wanted to portray that also.
1: Right. So I'm thinking now that by avoiding those Philippine tropes, you're probably representing Filipinas more authentically.
3: I hope. (laughs) I'm thinking. I hope. The only thing I'm trying to do is avoid tropes that perpetuate the ways that we hold women back.
1: This has been Book Laban. May your shelves be overflowing, your pages plentiful, and your heart filled with stories. Thank you for making us a part of your reading journey. This episode of Book Laban
2: was produced by Josa Quinones and edited by Nina Torralba of Puma Podcast. Hold up!